0: I'm Bohan First, and you are listening to Rural Roots, a program that asks what is rural in the 21st century. Every week, I'm going to bring you a different voice to help us understand the changing nature of rural Canada. For this, the very first episode of Rural Roots, we are going to take a look at a report on the state of rural Canada. I met with two of the authors of that report during a meeting of rural scholars in Montreal in early March. Ryan Gibson is a geographer based at St. Mary's University in Halifax, and Sean Markey is another geographer, but this time from Simon Fraser University in Vancouver. I recorded my conversation with Ryan and Sean in the lobby of a small hotel we were all staying in in Montreal. We managed to grab 20 minutes between the meetings to talk about the report, how it came about, and what it is that we learned about rural Canada today. So, Sean, maybe you can start and um, tell me, how did the idea for the report come about? The
1: idea had been kicking around uh, the surfboard for a couple of years at least. And with the uh, federal election last fall, uh, the, the the timing or the, uh, the, the excuses uh, no longer cut it. And we realized that it was a nice opportunity to both contribute some information and to stimulate some dialogue around rural issues in the lead-up to that election. Um, and also just good timing generally in terms of uh, thinking about policy and policy renewal. So that was the, it's an idea that had been around for quite a while. Uh, I think it's interesting to, to note that it it hadn't really been done before. There had been sort of compilation, edited volumes on rural development in Canada probably that hadn't been brought together in this way before. Uh, so, uh, sort of, a, just good timing, really, to, to stimulate the policy discussion and, uh, and, and you know, try to pull together a network of people to do it.
0: And the network was quite large. How many scholars did you have collaborate We yes,
1: it's quite the collective effort. Uh, you know, a, a very much a testament, I think, to to the history of SURF and the legacy of SURF that this network existed. Uh, uh, because it's really the only way that it happened. Uh, We we pulled the report together on quite a compressed timeline, to say the least. Uh, Ryan still sat in his chair. Uh, He didn't fall over in memory of that. But uh, it was a bit of a compressed timeline, and the only reason that it worked is because uh, of the network of SURF scholars and and researchers in every province and territory around the country. And uh, when we put together the terms of reference, and sent out the invitations leveraging the network leveraging the the contacts of the board and other people affiliated with surf uh, they all said yes Uh, not a single person said no and where people were saying well i I can help or i can contribute uh, another person was immediately identified and that province or that territory took off and they they did the work so
0: uh, Brian, you're a former president of the Canadian Rural Revitalization Foundation. Um, what, has, what is the mandate of the organization and what has your experience been working with SURF and SURF members?
2: Yeah, SURF so has been around for almost 28 years. It's a national non profit and a charitable organization. Uh, and truly, its mandate is uh, ensuring that rural communities and rural policymakers have good information to make decisions at the end of the day about their futures and about their, their longevity. Uh, and so the foundation takes out a, a number of activities on a yearly basis. Um, this was a, a unique first time kick at the can for for surf around the publication of this nature, but the foundation has been hosting um, policy discussions, conferences, uh, workshops, uh, as well as commissioning research and implementing research projects across the Canada across the country for the last twenty eight years. Um, and so this was, as Sean was saying, a testament to the network, but also highlights a number of the initiatives that SURF has been engaged with over the last couple of decades. What are some of those initiatives? In the past, the Foundation has been involved in initiatives looking at um, the relationship between urban and rural communities. Um, They're not simply um, two sides of a coin, there's a a relationship between them. Um, There was an initiative for many years that looked at how those rural and and, uh, urban communities are interrelated and how they engage with each other. Uh, The Foundation has also done work with communities uh, looking at the influence of borders in in the regions and communities that cross borders and how they collaborate or, or don't collaborate together. Um, the foundation has looked at issues related to rural internet, uh, looking at topics all over the map and, and literally all over the country.
0: Um, Sean, the, the report has adopted a very particular structure. Um, So it has an introduction and concluding remarks and some policy recommendations, but um, within the middle of the report is divided province by province, territory by territory. And in the introduction, I think you said that it's time to reinvest in rural Canada. Is that something that holds throughout the country?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think that that theme emerged quite prominently in, in all of the chapters, you know, as we were looking through each piece. Um, and sort of trying to identify some common themes, uh, some some foundations that could stimulate a policy discussion at the national level, for example. Um, that that reinvestment theme was extremely prominent. Uh, you know, I think the an, an acknowledgement that we've been sort of riding an ever decreasing or degrading infrastructure base in 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 rural communities and regions, uh, investments that were made in. Uh, 50s, the 60s, the 70s, um, very often those are, those are the same bridges and roads and uh, facilities and services and curling rinks that, uh, that people are, are using today. And uh, I think it's not only just sort of the dollar amount of investment, um, communities both urban and rural are screaming about infrastructure deficits and it seems at least a, a prominent point of, of federal policy or potentially emerging federal policy. Um, but aside from just the dollar value, and, and almost more importantly, is the mentality of, of having lost an investment mentality of understanding when you make investments in critical infrastructure, in, in this case in rural communities, uh, you're, you're creating a foundation for, for social, economic, and cultural development going forward, um, often in decades. And and I think what we've what we've lost is a, a commitment to invest those funds, but be an understanding that uh, of in favor of a, a more narrow, limited, budget-conscious, market-oriented approach to doing policy, which hits rural communities particularly hard, uh, because they are integrated places. They're places where the social, the economic, the cultural are often very. Um, closely intertwined, and uh, so everyone spoke about the need for investment. Uh, but I think one of the key things was was just a, a shift in the mentality of, of of bringing back that that mindset of of investing and viewing expenses and, and in rural places as an investment, not just simply a cost that's showing up in a capital city Excel spreadsheet somewhere when budget time comes around.
0: Uh, Ryan, anything particularly surprising for you in the report? I, I think what was surprising is the
2: commonality um, that, although every province is incredibly unique and the territories are incredibly unique, the themes that emerged out of BC were very similar to the themes around uh, coming out of Nova Scotia around the lack of investments, uh, the lack of coherent policies that address rural issues, not simply just sectoral policies that take place in rural, but actually having a comprehensive rural policy. And for the most part, that was common across the country. Um, And so it was a bit surprising that um, with all of the different perspectives in Canada, the experience of rural communities, we all kind of
0: are at the same point. You co-authored the chapter on Nova Scotia. That's right. Um, so what are some of the findings in, for that particular chapter, for that particular region?
2: Yeah, in Nova Scotia uh, it's a bit unique in the sense that we have a, a province that has a very high proportion of rural residents. So Newfoundland and Labrador having the highest proportion of rural residents, uh, but in Nova Scotia over 40% of the population is living in small towns. Um, Nationally you're looking at about 19 to 20% uh, and so Nova Scotia has a a higher proportion of people living in small towns. Uh, One of the challenges that we saw in Nova Scotia, a couple of the themes, one of which is um, how to support those rural communities which are predominantly aging, we still see the youth out-migration taking place, um, and how to transition some of the current manufacturing and industries that are taking place in rural Nova Scotia Um, into this more globalized, integrated economy, um, because before they were always competing with their neighbors uh, to produce whatever widget they're producing, now they're competing with India and China, uh, and how do these manufacturing firms that were set up in the 50s and the 60s transition into into the new economy. Uh, We also saw a challenge in, in Nova Scotia around changing structures to help support rural communities. We've seen various initiatives at the federal and the provincial level um, to try to help, uh, whether it be business development, whether it be community development, um, that have ebbed and flowed over the past 40 years, um, and in a sense in Nova Scotia, a bit of uncertainty of where those are going at the moment. Um, The regional economic development agencies recently were were discontinued in Nova Scotia, uh, and there's a bit of a vacuum in terms of
0: where to next does that mirror situation BC and what were some of the specific BC findings?
1: Yeah, I mean, to, to Ryan's point, it's a, it's a great observation that we are, you know, that was an interesting thing in the report, you know, there's some some real similar commonalities, which I, I think creates an opportunity for good policy intervention, right, because there's a real opportunity. Um, you know, we acknowledge in the report that, uh, that comment by Ray Bowman that when you've seen one rural community, you've seen one rural community. So there's an acknowledgement in the text that, you know, every place is a little bit different. And, and we're not just simply going to slap down what's working in rural Newfoundland and Southern Ontario or uh, Northern British Columbia, for example. But, you know, some of these sort of larger, big thematic things are very much the same. Um, I, you know, one of the other things in, in, a, in a BC context that that is now a sort of a a larger national debate was just the resource economy, and really a failure over the last sort of 30 years to understand rural development. It's been, um, Greg Halseth and myself sort of coined it the resource bank approach to dealing with resource issues, uh, or with rural issues, rather, sorry. Um, That, you you know, you're not viewing rural communities and regions as communities and regions, but simply as a a, a resource bank from which to make withdrawals. And uh, what we're finding in British Columbia is it's the rural communities and regions themselves that are challenging that mindset. And this is a province where you had instant resource towns created 30, 40 years ago. So they're not... You know, we don't have this, the legacy of the, some of the history of the Atlantic provinces in Quebec and Ontario and in the prairies. Uh, and these were towns created for a forestry mill or a mine. So you moved there because of the resource job. And now, we're, you know, the rural residents themselves are demanding a, a, really, a rural development. It's not just, you know, we're not just a mine anymore. We're not just a forestry uh, operation anymore. We're a community. We're a region. Uh, we want uh, a share of the wealth that's being generated from this region to remain here. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a very powerful shift in, in how rural development is both being understood in BC and I think starting to be uh, exerted and lobbied
0: and pressured in a, from a policy perspective. What were some of the conclusions of the report?
1: Well, we, you know, aside, from, I, I think we, we broke them down demographically, economically, environmentally, culturally, and socially. Um, you know, some, some, of the, some of the findings, I think, challenge pre, uh, preconceptions of rural in Canada, so that rural is in decline, for example. A lot of the work that Ray Bowman and others have been doing over the, the, the last number of years is, is pointing out that it's actually not in decline. <laughs> Certainly there are regions that, uh, you know, there's always ebbs and flows, regional ebbs and flows, uh, but uh, overall it's actually growing as a, as a rural demographic. Uh, there's population aging as part of that, which is uh, brings in a whole sort of human capital and social capital investment question. Um, economically, you know, again, people, I think, both challenging the very nature of what an economy is for, in terms of wanting to sustain a rural community and livelihoods, really interesting work in the New Brunswick chapter, for example, asking that question about, well, why why do we live in this rural place? It's because it's we love being here. It's because we're passionate about being here. So what's the function of an economy? What does uh, a, a thriving economy look like in that context? Um, that that was a you know there's some very interesting themes there, um, challenging this idea of or primacy of, of of growth in and of itself as a as a driver of the economy, uh, and then environmentally again it's not you know r- r- people in rural regions f- live day to day with the realities of a resource economy it's not some sort of abstract thought about a, a pipeline somewhere they are they are living the realities of that economy of the impacts of that economy and. Um, there, there's certainly, you know, these resource sectors will be major drivers of the rural economy going forward. You know, we're not, you know, Uber's not about to open up its next uh, headquarters in Prince George. Uh, so the resource economy is incredibly important to both rural communities and the Canadian economy as a whole. As a whole, it's our biggest driver in terms of export GDP. Uh, but again, it's it's not at the expense of economic diversification opportunities in rural places, not at the expense of a degraded ecosystem going forward. So there's a whole series of different values now, I think, being exerted from within rural communities and regions themselves around what rural development is going to look like going into the future.
2: I think one of the interesting parts that I always pull out of this, particularly coming to the BC scenario, um, is that... Historically, a lot of the investment that governments have made was actually in infrastructure to get things out. Right. <laughs> it was to get timber out or to get <laughs> minerals out of these communities. Uh, and it wasn't investments in long-term personal care homes. It wasn't investments in education necessarily. Um, and this report is really saying that people want to live here. Mm-hmm. People choose to live here. They're, they're voting with their feet to stay because of the atmosphere, the ambiance, the relationships, the environment. But we have to reframe how government interacts with these communities, these regions, um, because simply doing what we did in the 1960s isn't sufficient for today.
0: So what is the next step for Surf, And what are the opportunities to take this report and translate some of these findings and some of these recommendations into an actual public policy?
2: I think one of the things the report has been... What I've been excited about is that it's caused a lot of people to start asking questions about there's very success stories in each of the provinces. The New Brunswick one was mentioned. Uh, we have stories coming out of the province of Quebec around some of their regional policies. Uh, and I think a lot of policymakers across the country and researchers and students and community groups are wanting to now know more about them. They had no idea these existed. And this document is kind of showcasing those in very limited scope, but enough to whet people's appetite that they're now asking questions of Well, how did they do that? What did they do? How could we maybe replicate that? How could we maybe change it to make it work in our neighborhood if they wanted the similar outcomes? And so we've had, the foundation's had conversations with a few of the different provincial governments across the country um, that have been keen to to learn more about what's happening or what could happen and how things could be structured to do things differently. Um, And I think that's been a really exciting outcome um, for SURF. And the report
0: is available online?
1: It is, yes. Ryan's been uh, dutifully managing and monitoring that. Uh, It's been up, I think, for six months now. It was launched six months ago, and I think there's over 8,000... Uh, individual downloads so uh, by some sheer miracle uh, everyone affiliated with the project has produced a bestseller in canada i'm not sure any of us (laughs) saw that coming (laughs) but it's it's wonderful to to see the uptake of it it's um i think obviously again speaking to the timing in terms of people thinking through policy issues and, and bringing a a renewed sense of energy and enthusiasm to that is certainly part of it, but its uh, you know, I think it's also uh, tapped into a nerve within rural communities themselves around looking for, looking for answers and looking for solutions.
0: Given the momentum that the report has generated, um, does SERV plan to start doing annual updates or is there something else in the works that would follow this report? Well, I think there's two answers to that, three answers actually
2: to that. Uh, One is, um, almost simultaneous to this report, we've had 20 um, graduate students from across Canada evaluating rural policy. um, And all of their work will be put together in an edited volume that comes out in the fall 2016, um, tentatively titled New Policies for a New Rural Canada, getting rid of some of these misconceptions, um, and these are students in graduate programs across Canada that are making proposals for new ways of doing things. Um, And I think that'll be a really interesting um, kind of companion piece to the State of Rural Canada uh, that'll start getting more and more discussions brewing. Um, Maybe I can speak also to the fact that in the fall of 2016, um, many of the themes that are in the State of Rural Canada report will be front and center in SURF's national conference which will take place in Guelph from the 12th to the 15th of October. Um, and so many of these themes will, will be presented. Communities are being invited to share their stories from coast to coast to coast. Uh, and we'll have an opportunity to, to gather to, to specifically talk about some of these issues.
1: Yeah, so there's yeah there's a couple of... Uh, you know, I think uh, the, the report itself uh, excellent source of information. We asked all the authors, rather than just sort of putting together a statistics piece on their province, to actually write an opinion about what they thought where they thought their province was from a rural development perspective. So w- where to go from here is really, I think, two broad directions. On one hand, is to get much more prescriptive about policy recommendations. There's broad themes in here about renewing sort of a, a vision for rural Canada, uh Aboriginal reconciliation, authentic opportunities for that, and also challenging communities and regions themselves to get more involved in their local planning processes. Uh, but we need some specifics, so we need to start getting an idea of what that looks like across the uh, across the country. Um, and the other the other direction is, I think, storytelling and uh, you know engaging people and really giving people a, a picture about. What rural development looks like, where it's happening in a really innovative and creative way, and and using that as a as a way both to promote rural development but also advance our understanding of it, because you know you can read about statistics all you want, but I think people really engage with stories, and so those are two logical uh, launching out points from this report, and I think uh, there's plans. I think for 2017 to, to adopt a more storytelling approach to, to this initiative uh, that, that we're looking forward to. And then the other side is, is as Ryan mentioned, keeping track of, of some of the, the, the more concrete policy discussions and uh, having real answers, I think, when people ask the question. You know, there's a responsibility now <laughs> after doing the report to maybe have something to say when, when people are interested in following up about what, you know what some of the ideas might be.
0: Thank you very much to both of you. you. Thank
1: you. Thanks, Brian.
0: Thank you for listening to the very first episode of Rural Roots. My name is Boyan Fjirst and I work at the Leslie Harris Center of Regional Policy and Development at Memorial University of Newfoundland in St. John's. This show is produced in collaboration between the Harris Center Canadian Rural Revitalization Foundation and Rural Policy-Learning Commons international partnership that brings together rural researchers in Canada and abroad. In this episode, I spoke with Ryan Gibson, a geographer at St. Mary's University in Halifax, and his colleague Sean Markey, another geographer based at Simon Fraser University in Vancouver. We spoke about a recent report on the state of rural Canada. This is the very first episode in a series exploring what it means to live rural in the 21st century. If you go to our website, ruralrootspodcasts.com, that's all one word, rural, R-O-U-T-E-S, podcasts.com, you can access the report itself and some additional resources. If you listened to Rural Roots on your campus or community radio, please let them know if you like the show. If you listen to the podcast version of the show, feel free to encourage your local radio station to get in touch if they're interested in broadcasting the show. This program is available to community and campus radio stations free of charge. Thanks for listening and I hope you join us next week. To subscribe to the podcast, visit ruralroutespodcasts.com. Again, that's all one word, rural, R-O-U-T-E-S, podcasts.com. And please, let me know what you think about the show. I'm Boyan Fierst, and you just listened to Rural Roots. Stay in touch.